Hello and welcome back. I'm Dr. Nicola and you are watching Aspen Talks Health where we discuss alternative healing modalities and how we can show up more compassionately in life. Today with me is Dr. John Hughes. He is an osteopathic and integrative medicine doctor and he is the founder of Aspen Integrative Medicine down in Basalt. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So I brought John on because it is so important. I had just discovered that I'm full of fungus, which sounds awful, but um, it was fascinating to learn. I was extremely tired. I was uh, insatiably hungry, and I could not kick a cold for a whole month, which is not my norm. I normally don't even get sick. So those were my symptoms, and I came to you. I was actually referred to you, and someone told me that ozone therapy can help with mold. Indeed. And yeah, it was very interesting. So can you share, um, first of all, before we get to that, let's just first tap on osteopathic and integrative medicine. What exactly is that? So osteopathic medicine is a field in the United States of, of medicine that has been around for almost 100 years uh, or maybe a little bit longer. Uh, it developed alongside what's called allopathic medicine. Most medical doctors, MDs, are allopathic doctors. Okay. So what that means is they're allopathic. It means they're taking a drug and fighting a disease. Okay. Whereas osteopathic doctors in general are not as focused on, you know, fighting some kind of disease. It's not allopathic basically is a, a, you know, you have something that causes this and you're going to fight against it. Osteopath, we look at musculoskeletal function. We look at the whole body as we try to help the body get better health. So yes. one of the founders of osteopathy said that anyone can find disease, but find health. And so that's what I try to do with most of my patients yeah. um, is accelerate their health. Sometimes that means overcoming disease, but this isn't disease care, it's health care. And we're trying to give the best. Integrated medicine, in, in my humble opinion, is basically the best Hippocratically-based medicine out there. And what I mean by that is that most medicine is founded on the idea of do little harm. You know, Hippocrates was said to be one of the fathers of medicine. And osteopathic and integrated medicine is the idea that you are using the least harmful technologies, science, to improve someone's health. So I like to say I use the best of modern and natural medicine to help patients get better. Yeah. We're not abdicating modern medicine or modern allopathic medicine. We're just integrating that with the best of what we know from ancient traditions and other non-drug therapies that, yeah. are, that already exist. Yeah, well, from my one little experience with you, it was you are quite a master at the latest technologies and, and all these different, in finding all these natural ways to heal is very interesting. Well, thank you. Yeah, you had like a bag of goodies. That you <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I, I grew up, my father was a pretty holistic dentist. Some people call these dentists biological dentists. Uh, and what he looked at as a dentist was environmental problems that might be a cause of disease. He was what's called a Weston Price dentist. And Weston Price was a dentist who looked around the world in the 50s and saw that primitive peoples who ate close to the land and ate more natural foods, and, you know, less white flour, things like that, less sugar, had m much less dental caries, even though they were more primitive peoples. And mm. at that time, we thought modern society was the best thing. And we were, especially in the 50s, starting to eat more foods with pesticides and more processed foods. And this was a, kind of a, in the face of that time period, a, a really unique concept that, hey, primitive peoples actually might be healthier than, than we are. Right. And so my father you know, grew up in that, that ethos, and I kind of got that from an early age. 
So nice, wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, how does someone even know? I had no idea I had a fungus issue. How does uh, you you say the first step is getting tested? But how do you even know to get to, like that the, that's an issue or something to look for? It's a very good question and. Interesting, where you live is definitely a factor. Uh, we know that mold, and I I grew up near a lake, so we had a little bit of mildew and mold in our house just because we were in a moist environment. So if you clothes smell a little bit like damp or you know it's a, it's a moist environment like we have in Aspen where it snows a lot or the buildings have been around a long time, yes. there's a good chance there's probably some form of black mold or mildew in your house. Interesting. What we can do to mitigate that is certainly, you know, there's environmental people that go out and do things to your house that you know, get rid of that mold. But sometimes it can be in the, the wallboard, it can be in the wood fibers, you know, if the house is very old, I mean, there's, there's a lot of other places it can be hiding out. If there's ever been a water leak in the house, there's a good chance that mold, which sounds like, oh yeah, it's just mold, you know, we eat cheese mold and blue cheese or something like that, is a toxic thing. And interestingly enough, I've had a uh, not to belabor this too much, but I've had a patient or two who's actually gotten cancer from some of these mold toxins. Wow. Um, when we do know that the toxins from mold, especially airborne toxins, are, are very dangerous for, for all of us. Yeah. So getting rid of those types of um, mold toxins by looking at your environment is definitely important. Symptoms that a patient might have of yes. mold. Uh, I currently have a patient who's like, wow, every time I eat something that's a carbohydrate or a sweet, I feel a little brain fog or I feel a little sick or I'm craving those foods. Yes. You know, and, and I think that can be another symptom of mold uh, or fungus. I mean, we, we hear a lot about candida, so you don't want to eliminate that. Candida overgrowth, if, I think you had mentioned it, like if you eat a, or had a lot of antibiotics in your childhood, for example, candida can be much more, or even mold toxins can be much more uh, readily uh, prevalent. prevalent in your, yeah, in your body. So yeah. uh, I think being careful what you eat, if you drink a lot of alcohol, or whatever you do, if you're yeah. partying a lot, you took a lot of antibiotics as a kid, and you live in a moist environment, then you could be at risk for having some kind of mold. Some people, it even gets their lungs, you're coughing a little more, maybe you're a little more prone to sickness, than, or it takes longer than your friends to get over there's definitely a factor there too. So bloating, gas, I mean, those are typical candida type symptoms if you're if you're having that a lot. Yeah. So it's probably worth getting checked. Yeah, the minute I have uh, refined carbohydrates, like a zucchini muffin or something like that, <laughs> yeah. um, a vegan gluten-free one. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you eat a lot of those, yeah. <laughs> I crave it like crazy. Yeah. I, the next day I'm waking up, I'm like, I want more. Yeah, and you know, part of that is just wheat in general. That's it's true. just wheat. I mean, wheat, as we know, has been refined in the past 100, 150 years from what was a lower uh, gluten wheat at one time, and now it's much more higher gluten. That has an opioid effect in the body. Right. If you read books like Grain Brain or Wheat yes. Belly, and that can definitely be a, a factor in your <laughs> addictedness. But these mold, fungus uh, uh, organisms, they crave these these types of sugars. So yeah. they're readily available sugars that, you know, they, they can live in the starches or carbs uh, very easily. So that's that's what you have to be careful yeah. of. I read a report that there was 15, they've discovered 15 opiates in, in wheat. That's incredible. 
addictive opioids or we know i mean who needs to go get heroin i mean just eat your bread (laughs) (laughs) right i've also read that uh heavy metals a high level of heavy metals can create an environment that's more susceptible to mold in general heavy metals are just going to suppress your immune system kind of like antibiotics antibiotics are just toxins right so heavy metals are toxins and what do we think about heavy metals heavy metals might come from mercury fillings in your mouth that's one of the biggest sources for a lot of humans and that can, that can poison them over time. All those fillings are always leaking gas. If they've been 30 years or more, they're leaking uh, actually liquid mercury. So it's like wow. swallowing pieces of a thermometer every day <laughs> and chewing on them or putting hot fluids on them. Uh, you can definitely release more. Um, my father was a dentist, so I got a lot of that, honestly. But it, heavy metals are, are neuroinflammatory. They can lead to autoimmune conditions, and they ultimately can suppress your immune system, making it harder to overcome viruses, molds, candida. Uh, and it's interesting. I think a lot of the, and I don't know if it's proven, but a lot of these organisms actually take in those heavy metals. So yeah. if your body's releasing them, and a lot of the way your body releases it through your liver, it dumps right back into your you know, small intestine, large intestine, then that's where they're going to live. They're going to concentrate those. Uh-huh. They're going to kind of surround themselves with these toxins so that your body can't get to them. Oh, interesting. So... Yeah, I, I don't understand how I have high levels because I don't. I have only white fillings, and I don't eat fish, which are the two normal sources of mercury. Yeah, welcome to Colorado. We are a mining town. I mean, Aspen wasn't a ski town, as you know. This was a mining town. Even Hunter Creek, not too far from here. Right. That was a super fun site. Right. That they just built on. So we're surrounded by lots of not only radioactive heavy metals, but also you know mining tailings that have been there for years. Wow. So any. It's all leaching into our water to some degree. Interesting. So. And the symptoms of heavy metals? I know brain fog is one. Yeah, brain fog is definitely one. I mean, patients who have really bad heavy metals, they'll feel sick, they'll feel nauseous, even, even when they eat anything. Yeah. So um, they're, they're just fatigued, lethargic a lot of times. Uh, yeah, brain fog is definitely a, a big concern. Ultimately, these can lead to uh, peripheral neuropathy, uh, and overall autoimmune types of conditions. Right. So, and wow. that's where I oftentimes look first for people who have chronic mold or chronic toxicity issues. Let's look for heavy metal because it's, it's just in almost everybody. Interesting. So. And so let's, uh, let's shift gears to yeah. solutions. So tell us about ozone. Uh, how does it work? Ozone. Yes. So shifting to ozone, I mean, how I got to you know you're like, hey, can I do an ozone treatment in your office? I was like, what do you want to do it for? And you're like, well, maybe I have some exposure to mold. You know, I think you'd done a, a test that said that. And by the way, there are urine tests. Um, we've been working with a, a lab called Great Plains Lab okay. that does a lot of urine tests. You can call these up. Can, it's a urine test, so your doctor can order it. They don't have to do any work. Take it home. And it's about a two or $300 test. Very simple to actually look at how much mold is in your body. Right. And I think the test that you did was actually a what's called a biomeridian scan. It uses an oscilloscope to actually kind of look at the frequency of mold and see if it's in your body. So some pretty cool tests out there yeah. that aren't thought of um, that can be easily accessed by most patients. Um, ozone is a very potent antimicrobial agent. So why is that? Because it releases O3. So o- O2 is what we're breathing. You know, right. Aspen, we have 18, 19% oxygen in the air, and the rest of it's mostly nitrogen and a little bit of carbon dioxide. Very stable gas, right? So the air in our body is not reactive. It's not hurting us. But if I breathe ozone, right? We talk about ground level ozone and big cities and smog. That's not something I really want to breathe because it's a very reactive molecule. So 
Ozone is a toxin in the air. But if we concentrate it, make it with medical grade oxygen gas, and we make it through a, like a plasma ionic process, make it right there in the office, put it in a syringe and inject it into your body or inject the blood. And I think that's what we did with yeah. your body is we took your blood out, we put ozone in the blood with some saline, dripped it back in. Then what it does, it's a very, very helpful nutrient to the body. Why is it so easy to put in the body but not breathe? Like, why is that safe? Yeah. Well, it's because we have these antioxidants called glutathione and SOD in the body. Antioxidants protect the healthy cells uh, along with an enzyme called catalase from getting oxidized by ozone or, or harmed by ozone. Or, however, you can certainly go over their, their level, but at the right doses, we can basically give you an ozone treatment that creates any or oxidative therapies that are four times stronger than hydrogen peroxide. Most of the way our cells and even our antibodies eliminate toxins is with either hydrogen peroxide or even, even ozone. Your body's antibodies even make their own ozone. Interesting. So it's already in the body, and it's something we can use. The Russians, the Cubans, Eastern European countries used that technology for years before they were able to access American pharmaceuticals in the Cold War, before you know we were doing any kind of trades with them. And they had incredible results. There's numerous studies. You Google ozone therapy for microbes and you'll see it. Why does it work so ubiquitously around, you know, mold toxins or antibiotics, like in places where there's other, where antibiotics might not work is just because it, it's, it's not, there's not something that you can get a resistance to. Hmm. The viruses, even cancer cells don't have a lot of catalase enzymes. So, you know, they don't have the resources and energy to make that. So ozone is very hard for anything to be resistant to. It's, it's just going to get burned up and oxidize anything that's in the body. The other really cool thing about ozone, not only for microbes like mold toxins, for example, is, or mold itself, but it can also get rid of the toxins associated with mold. So toxins, because it's an oxidizing agent, you know, it's basically burning up these toxins and kind of getting rid of them, kind of like an uh, incinerator would do to a, you know, toxic kind of, you know, byproduct of, some, some factory, for example. Right. So petrochemicals, <laughs> even heavy metals, can somewhat be eliminated with ozone. The mycotoxins is the byproduct that I had a yep. high level of from the mold. Yeah, right? and, That's and what you're referring to? mold is mycotoxins. They're everywhere. Like, if you, look, if you drink a glass of red wine, you have mycotoxins. And in every country in the world, the U.S. is actually probably the least strict. They have an OCA rating. OCA is a mold toxin that lives in all red wines. Interestingly enough, you get a wine from a fruity area of the world. It's definitely more likely to have, or a warmer area of the yeah. world, it's more, or fruitier wine. You're going to have more OCA in it versus uh, maybe a little drier wine or a mm. little less like sweet wine. Less sweet. So OCA is something we're all dealing with. Mold toxins are something we deal with. It's just when they become too much for our immune system to kind of handle. That's when it becomes toxic. And super dangerous and so if you're living drinking a bunch of wine and you're living in a moldy place then that might be part of why any of us could get mold right. or mold toxins so. are there any other we'll, we'll come back to ozone in a second but are there any other solutions to the mold in addition to ozone therapy well mainstream medicine essentially enough uh has a couple of different medications there's actually some new ones out and uh i don't know all the names so we've 
typically given for candida, a drug called Diflucan, Nystatin. Those are very commonly given if somebody has a chronic fungal infection. There's one that's actually a little more broad spectrum. So if you had candida and you have a bunch of mold in your system, it's called Spornox. Okay. And it's not prescribed a lot unless you're in the know about mold or you suspect it, but that's a drug that uh, I've seen work well for some mm. patients if they have really bad conditions of mold. Yeah, I've been on the herbal side of yes, it. Yes, that's and right. And so olive leaf extract, mm -hmm. oil of oregano, astragalus, mm -hmm. and a candida blend were the, the ones I have a handful of pills in the morning. And then couple that with... Um, What's the green chlorella? Yes. And the the pulls the things that pull out the heavy metals. Yep. Like clay. Yep. Um, so and I noticed within two days of that regimen, just a handful at night of those pills, I wake up the next day. I am not craving the food. I have my energy back. I'm creeping up on the list in my spin class to slowly <laughs> getting to not number one because this town has someday got some, you'll be number one. One day, this town has got when, some serious athletes. But um, but yeah, noticeable dis difference in, in just a couple of days. And I think coupled with this ozone therapy, it was that was the the whammy. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and some patients I do even more extensive ozone therapy. Um, what we've also been doing is using something called phosphatidylcholine with ozone to actually drive the ozone deeper. Mm. And so that's kind of the unique thing. Sometimes I use uh, bicarbonate IVs because, you know, bicarbonate alkalizing your body is definitely helpful yeah. for getting rid of mold and helping, you know, those toxins not be a problem. So you're on the right track. And, you know, a couple ozone treatments that are the antifungal, anti you know, mold herbs, you're on the right track. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing is you don't want to poison your gut as those mold toxins or mold die off and release their toxins. Uh, so that's where the bentonite and, the, and silica or, or chlorella actually help. They're absorbing the toxins that happen when you get the mold die off. Right. Combining it with something that's going to bind to those toxins and pull it out of the system is really exactly. important. Good point. So. Yeah. Uh, also, the acid level, that's interesting. I think reducing probably the, the animal products and, and sure. shifting more towards a plant-based diet, yep. much more alkaline uh, Definitely. products. And I'm not a total vegan or vegetarian. However, I was at one time. I think what the problem with a lot of animal products is way, they're way over-consumed. Yeah. Uh, even the plant-based diet, people will say, hey, it's, it's about 95% at least of what you're consuming to make it plants. But the other thing is just factory farmed. And yeah. those factory farmed animals, it's just incredibly sad for one thing. And it's also yeah. all the hormones and antibiotics they're putting in right. those animals can also affect your gut, <laughs> affect everything else. So you got the toxins in the animals that have been fed pesticide laden foods or GMO foods. And then you got the antibiotics. I mean, it's a vicious, slippery, slippery slope. Thank so you for saying that organic, all for me. <laughs> fresh vegetables are probably one of the healthiest things. Absolutely. So. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, what else can ozone therapy help? Ozone is also used orthopedically or, or musculoskeletally. And a lot of what I do is it's, um, it's injected along with another substance. So I inject PRP, which is a whole other topic. But I take people's blood and I spin out their plasma. I ozonate that to purify it a little bit. Okay. Not that it's not sterile, but we ozonate it to activate it and purify it. And then we put it back into the, a knee joint or a hip joint. A lot of uh, meniscal tears or you know things like that, or rotator cuff tears is what I see on a regular basis. Injuries to low backs, facet arthropathy. Uh, I see a lot of that, and I, I chase everything with an ozone bomb of gas. Ozone is used in Germany. 
um, to uh, anesthet or sorry to sterilize every patient after they've had surgery. And Germans have the lowest rate of any kind of post-surgical infections of any other country. So it's a very potent sterilizing gas. It's unfortunate that we don't use it after every shot because I think even with cortisone shots, it would be very helpful. It's also anti-inflammatory um, and it spreads throughout the tissue. So you put a shot into, you know, with PRP or even cortisone, and then you put the ozone in afterwards and it's gonna nourish the tissues and help the tissues in a, in a, in a unique way that was help. I mean, a lot of tissues, they're injured and they're not healing or they get scarred up because they don't have enough oxygen. Mm -hmm. You get more oxygen, you get more blood flow, you get more plasma to the area, and things heal up pretty well. So a lot of that is what I do with ozone. Ozone is also a metabolic activator. And what that means is it donates that extra O3, you know, that third oxygen. molecule of oxygen, yeah. donates it to the mitochondrial electron transport chain. That's how you make energy. Huh. So whatever you're doing, whether it's a healing process or a detox process, ozone is going to speed that up and make it work effectively because it's making the mitochondria of your cells work much more efficiently. Very interesting. That's probably why you ran, ran faster or rode your bike faster in the, in the spin class yeah, because it was a metabolic activator. Not only did we kill off a few mold toxins too or got yeah. rid of mold toxins, but Very because of that. And no side effects? Is there, it sounds a little scary, but there, is there is, is, risk of having too much ozone? Is Ozone is used in microgram doses. So okay. what is micrograms? One times 10 to the negative six. So okay. I gave you maybe 180 micrograms, very, very, very small okay. amount of ozone. Got it. If I'd given you a lot, it could damage your tissues. Yeah, it could oxidize it. Okay. Uh, if I put ozone up to an organic glove or like latex glove, it'll literally just organically dissolve that glove. Wow. It's that. It's that potent of a, of a strong oxidizing agent. Okay. So. But in minimal, small doses, it's beneficial. It's great, and that's why you don't just go to anybody to just do this. Right. You know, you, you want to be having, you know, treated getting treated by somebody that's a little bit more taught in those. I've been doing it for about 10 years, so I've, I felt pretty confident. Yeah. I had confidence in it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, okay, let's switch gears to, you also work with stem cells. Indeed. Tell me about that. So in the United States, there's a couple different varieties of stem cells. Patients use fat stem cells, and these are stem cells that are, you know, they pull it from liposuction. If you want that type of therapy, you can have stem cells and liposuction. And they pull it from your belly, uh, sometimes your back, and they concentrate out that stem. They actually break it down with something called collagenase usually, and they concentrate it, and then they take what's called the stromal vascular fraction, and then they re-inject it. Okay. Uh, if you put fat back into fat or fat back into tissues that benefit from fat, like if you want to augment your lips or your breasts or your buttocks, if you're into that, um, I mean, this isn't L.A. or Scottsdale necessarily. Well, it's but Aspen. It's Aspen. <laughs> then people get some benefit from that. And yeah. fat is really good when they go – fat stem cells are really good when they go back to fat. And oftentimes they'll do fat transplants. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yeah. So it nourishes that new fat and helps it to morph with the tissues that are there. So it turns into new fat stem cells. The challenge is when you throw fat stem cells into joints, they don't, it might nourish the tissues. But what happens is those stem cells within a week – they're actually gone. They just literally open up their contents, the cells do, mm -hmm. and they nourish the tissue because it's, it's what's called a non-homologous use of stem cells. Okay. So that's one form. We also use bone marrow stem cells. Uh, Stedman Clinic, I think maybe even some orthopedic clinics around here and around the country are using more bone marrow stem cells to help orthopedic injuries. Same kind of thing, though. These are stem cells that are a little bit more grown up 
and they turn into tissues that, where they came from, but they don't necessarily turn into tissue. So if you put bone marrow yeah. into bone marrow, which we do, we've done actually for leukemia patients for years. So that bone marrow transplant, I'm sure you've heard of that. Yeah. Then we can actually help that bone marrow. We can actually, what happens is in a cancer patient or leukemia patient, they kill off all the, the bone marrow because it's toxic and you right. know, got cancer in it. And then they just put new bone marrow transplants in there. So bone marrow to bone marrow actually creates new bone marrow stem cells and all as well. Put bone marrow into joints, it nourishes the tissues, releases its growth factors, but those stem cells don't necessarily turn into new cartilage tissue. Okay. Now, what we've come up with is, and a lot of what I've been doing it with is brain injury, but we've also or orthopedically used stem cells from the blood. These stem cells, there's two different types. There's hemopoietic stem cells, which are designed to turn into new blood cells, mm. and what's called very small embryonic-like stem cells. These stem cells are one of the best ways to help regenerate orthopedic tissues. Mm. They take much longer, but these stem cells are kind of like babies. They haven't figured out what they want to do. So you put them in the tissues like your knee or your shoulder or your hip or your brain, and they can turn into potentially even new neurons, new cartilage, new uh, collagen, ligaments, tendons, you name it. So that's a lot of what I do um, for orthopedic types of injuries. If, if the PRP with the platelet-rich plasma growth factors is not enough, yeah. then we'll add in the stem cells. Interesting. So... And that can help with a brain injury. That's fascinating. Yeah, and the fascinating thing when we do it with the brain, it's very safe. We don't open up the brain, drop it in there. We just put it through the top part of the nose. And that's another kind of really cool, very safe way to administer stem cells. It travels along what's called the olfactory nerves all the way through into the top part of the brain. Yeah. We can detect substances. It's a, lot, a lot of studies have been done with insulin within 10 minutes in the, in the cerebral spinal fluid. So in the back, we can pull off. Uh, the cerebral spinal fluid and find substances like stem cells or insulin that we put into the brain to help the brain heal. And wow. Yeah, it's fascinating. Can that help with like a concussion and memory loss issues? Yeah, and that's largely what we do. We get calls from all over the country for people looking to do this type of therapy for concussion or even more severe traumatic brain injuries. Wow. Fascinating. Really interesting work. Yeah, thank you. Uh, is there any other such other things that you want to share with us? The only other thing that we do along with stem cells is hyperbaric medicine. Hyperbaric medicine is traditionally used mostly for wound care okay. or diabetic wounds or people who've had radiation injuries like radiation osteonecrosis or bone infections, uh, sometimes carbon monoxide poison. Those are sort of the standard models for brain injury or stroke or other kinds of neurological deficits. It's really important for people to use hyperbaric medicine as well uh, in most cases. Um, because hyperbaric medicine is very effective at actually not only uh, helping the brain to create its, or the body and the brain to create its own stem cells, but also giving it the energy to heal. Hmm. Unique thing about us as humans is we don't ever rest our brains. Even while we're sleeping, even while we're just sitting here and chatting, we're using at least 20% of the oxygen hmm. we inhale to power our brain and 25% of the glucose. So the glucose isn't getting eaten up by your mold. <laughs> it's going to power your brain pretty much, yeah. especially when we're sitting here. Yeah, you get on your bike, you might be using your, going to your muscles. But if you sprain your ankle, fall off your bike, or whatever happens to you, you go home and rest it on the couch. Or maybe yeah. you break your ankle. What if I said to you, hey, instead of you getting to rest your ankle on the couch for a couple of weeks, you're going to have to keep using it. How well do you think you would heal? Right. Not so well. So the only way, if we can't let your brain rest to help you heal is to basically give it more energy. And that's what hyperbaric oxygen does. 
very similar way as ozone in some ways, except the fact that you're pressurizing oxygen, a stable molecule of oxygen. So mm -hmm. it's not reacting with the tissues to break down microbes so much. It's just nourishing those tissues. Fascinating. So especially, and we're, we're focused on healthy tissues that we're yeah. trying to heal, especially the brain. Well, we are out of time. I'm sorry, but uh, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Yes, thank you. Thanks yeah. for bringing me here. Great work. You're clearly very knowledgeable, and I really definitely felt the effects of your treatment, so I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. So, thank you. As always, you guys, check out Aspen Talks Health for more information. I'll put up your contact information where you can find Dr. Hughes, and that's it. I hope you all are well. Lots of love. <laughs>